and I think it aligns well with what the Lord wants us to talk about this morning. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, we're not going there as a text, I just want to put this scripture out here. 6 and 4, we know this passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen? Amen. But the Lord gave the command to them, to the children of Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. When you hear it, when you recognize it, when you understand that God is one, then you know you can love him. And then he goes on to command them to love him. Thou shalt, thou shalt, which is a command, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, the one Lord your God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Amen. And other versions of that scripture are reiterated throughout the scripture. Amen. But that principle remains true. When you get an understanding of who Jesus is, when you get a real revelation of who God is, we are then commanded to love him. Amen. And to serve him with all our heart, with all our mind, with all of our understanding, with all of our strength, with all of our capacity, everything that we can, everything that we can muster, it's our obligation to serve him when we truly understand him. Amen. Of course, pastor is not with us this morning. He's, he's preaching for brother uh, Stevens in Mountain View, Arkansas. Amen. So obviously when pastor's gone, that has an impact on the service. And uh, then we've got several that are out sick this morning. I know brother Larson mentioned them in prayer. Amen. So it's, it's us today. Amen. But I believe the Lord wants to do something before we leave this house. Is that all right? Can can God step in? Amen. I want to talk to you all this morning, amen, and, and reassure this church, amen, that we're not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. We're closer than we think today. Amen. You're closer than you think. Amen. Where you are right now in those pews. Amen. You're closer to the fullness of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God then you realize, then we realize. I think many times we come to church and we take for granted, amen, the opportunity that is laid before us in every service. And I'm not just, um, I'm, I'm not picking on anybody today, but I want, I hope that before we leave this place today that God ministers to every need in this house. I mean, I believe God can meet needs. I believe God can fill somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen, amen. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Let's love him for a second. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We worship you. We magnify your holy name. You are wonderful, Jesus, your holy Savior. I magnify you. I glorify you, Savior. You are worthy, Jesus, your wonderful master. I believe you. I trust you fully, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles... Why don't you open them to John chapter 3, the very familiar passage of scripture this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for his word. John 3 and 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everybody say he cannot see. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, 
Okay, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus elaborates in verse 5. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I want you to notice the, the different term that's used. In verse 3, he said he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in this scripture, he chooses to say that he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus said in another passage of scripture that not one jot or one tittle will ever pass away. So that means every word that's placed in, his, in the Bible is, has eternal impact, has eternal purpose. Amen? And so when God, when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in this passage, he didn't make a mistake when he said, if you're born of water and spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And in verse 3, where he said, you cannot see the kingdom of God if you're born again. So I, I want to make application from this passage of scripture, but I wanted to point out the distinction there. Verse 6, we'll continue reading, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not because of this fact, because that flesh is born of flesh and spirit is born of spirit, then marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Okay? And then uh, verse 8, this is a very important passage as well, so I threw it in here. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. Or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Amen. Also, let's open up our, let's flip a couple of pages and uh, to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Can you have it? Say amen. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Why don't you lay down your Bibles? And um, before we are seated, I want to just take a moment. Why don't you step out of your pew and greet somebody? Let them know that you're happy to see them. Is that all right? Can, I, can we do that? Hallelujah.
Everybody's blaming Brother Carter for the, the mishap up here. Can you guys hear me okay? All right, good. Amen. Thank you. I, I, God bless the reading of his word to your heart. Amen. You could be seated. Amen. We need the help of the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. Brother Josh ran downstairs to, to check the breakers, see if one of the breakers was thrown. But um, anyway, I began studying for this service last night, and I really feel like the Lord gave me some direction for the service. And, um, and so I know that oftentimes this passage of Scripture we use, John chapter 3, to teach folks that you must be born again. If you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, and we use the term the kingdom of God talking about the, that eternal kingdom, which um, is certainly what Jesus is talking about. Amen. And, and I don't want to take away from, from that at all. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Amen. But I believe that we are based in Scripture. Amen. In what, um, it, where we're going today. Amen. I've got plenty of Scripture to get through. Amen. So you're going to have to just bear with me. And I promise lunch is coming at some point in the future. So, uh, amen. I'm just trying to fill the uh, fill the gap here. Amen. And and also let me just apologize to those of you who came. Um, if perhaps if you were not aware of the schedule, expecting pastor, we're not trying to trick you or do anything, any fancy footwork up here. We're just trying, uh, pastors out of town and, uh, you're just left with me today. Team B, nothing. Well, anyway, so, but, um, for those who are born again, how many know what it means to be born again? All right, we. We're generally there. We'll t spend some time talking about it this morning, but I don't want to spend all of my time because if I spend all, if I spend a lot of time, then it'll end up becoming all of my time, and and then that's and if that's what God wants to do, that's perfectly fine, Amen. But but for those who are born again, Jesus said in verse three, as we just read, they can see the kingdom of God. They can see the kingdom. Of God, We'll talk about what the kingdom of God is in just a minute, but I want you just to get that in your mind. Understand that Jesus said, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what he's saying, the opposite of that is, is absolutely as true as the statement that Jesus was saying, and that is that if you are born again, then you can see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus was confused and confounded by this statement. And he asked him a question saying, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be born again? How do I, what do I do to see the kingdom of God? Then Jesus, I think, takes it a level deeper. And th this is really where I believe Jesus is talking about specifically salvation. And he answers this question and said, you're not even going to see the kingdom of God unless you first enter into the kingdom of God. So if you want to see the kingdom of God, then you first need to enter into the kingdom of God. And the way to do that is to be born of water and to be born of the Spirit. Amen. Jesus, I think I've got scripture to confirm what I'm telling you. You can't see, this, see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. There are certain things that are available to the children of God who are born again, to those who have been born of the water, and those who have been born of the Spirit. Amen. There are certain things that we can see 
frankly, that not everybody can see. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a minute. But, but Jesus, Jesus, this is not me. Jesus is the one that, that came up with this concept. That uh, he was talking to the disciples in Luke chapter 8. And he told them, and he said, un, and he said unto you, unto you disciples, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables. Why, why specifically the disciples? Why specifically these 12 men that Jesus is addressing in this passage of Scripture? It's because the men that Jesus was, to whom Jesus was speaking were actively seeking to see, actively seeking to understand, to know what the kingdom of God is altogether. But to those who were not seeking, to those who were, were okay with just the humdrum of life, just making it fr from the morning to the evening, amen, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, work, uh, putting in a good solid work schedule, amen, to those who are not interested in seeing and knowing the kingdom of God, those are the ones to whom it was not and will not be revealed. But if you want to, if you want to see, and, and, and I know that this is true for those of us that are in this room today because you wouldn't be here wasting your time if you didn't think that the kingdom of God is worth spending your time on. So let me just make this uh, applicable to the group of people that is in this room this morning. I mean, that you can see the kingdom of God. You have the capacity, amen, by the grace and the spirit of God. If you, amen, follow the conditions that Jesus uh, sets forth, then you can see the kingdom of God. And let me just go a step further this morning that you can see the kingdom of God before you leave this place this morning. Amen. It's closer than you think it is. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. When Jesus was speaking to a scribe, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but he said, friend, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. You're closer than you think you are. Amen. Because of the revelation, because of your understanding, because you're spending your time. Amen. With amen, those that are in the kingdom of God, you are closer than you think you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But again, I, I want to reiterate, you can't even see. Unless you're born again. And you can't enter unless you're born of water and of the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, this is not revealed to everyone. Mark chapter 4 is another, another instance. What Jesus said that we just read in Luke 8 and 10. But Jesus goes one step further in this passage. Or Mark captures uh, a little bit more detail about this uh, this this sharing of information to the disciples than Luke did. So I want to read that one for a moment. Mark chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Very similar to how Luke said it. But here's the revealing phrase that I think is, is important. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. In other words, they are mysteries. They, they are, they're just stories. To who? who to who are the parables? Who, to who is what Jesus is saying here? To, to whom are, 
are these parables? To those who are without. Without of what? Without what? Without the kingdom of God. Those who, he says in just the phrase before, unto you, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, those that are without the kingdom of God, these, are done, these things are done in parables. These things are done in parables. Verse 12, that seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing they might hear and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins shall be forgiven them. Listen to what Jesus is telling the disciples in this passage of scripture. Amen. He's telling them that, amen, there are some who are hearing, amen, but they don't really understand. And there are some that see with the carnal eye. They see with their senses. They see, amen, with their two eyes, but they don't perceive what is really going on. Amen. And then he goes on to say in the final phrase of this passage that if they would, Lest, that's what that word is saying. It's saying if they would perceive and if they would understand, lest if they did this at any time, they would be converted and their sins would be forgiven them. So what does that tell us? What does that tell us about you and me to those of us, amen, who are willing, amen, to go beyond the surface of a parable? Amen, those of us who are willing, amen, to go below, amen, the surface understandings and really hear and really see, amen, those things, amen, we shall be converted, friend, amen, and we will be forgiven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of us who do hear, those of us who do see, if we take the time to really perceive, if we take the time to really understand what is being conveyed, then there is more available to us. Amen. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. We're in the same chapter that we just read, 11 and 12, but just a few verses later, Jesus is still speaking, and he says, and, and, it's, and, and it says, and he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? This is a rhetorical question. Jesus is saying, what do you do? What's the purpose of the candle? Is it to hide it under a bed? Is it to, to put it under a bushel? Are we, are we lighting the candle so that we can hide the light? Or should it be put into the candlestick? Of course, it should be put into the candlestick. Verse 22. This is why he made that rhetorical question. For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Amen. I'm, I, what I'm hearing, what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture, amen, is that there are some things that he earnestly desires, amen, to show those who want to perceive. Amen. There are some things, amen, that God wants to reveal to those who would seek understanding. Amen. But some, amen, are discontent with putting it under the bed or putting it under a bushel. Amen. But Jesus said, I 
want to take it, amen, and put it, amen, in the candlestick. I want everybody, amen, walking by, amen, to understand. I didn't put all these things so that they shouldn't be manifested, but rather that they would be manifested. I don't want to keep it a secret. I want it to be known. I want it to be shown. I want it to come abroad. Amen? Hallelujah. How many of you want to really understand? Do you want to understand the things of God? Do you want to understand the things that God would have for you? Amen. Are you satisfied, amen, with where you are right now? With your current understanding? Are you satisfied with your current revelation? Are you satisfied? My God, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Are you, I'm talking to somebody. Amen. Are you satisfied? Amen. With where you are today. Because if not, if you're interested in more, amen, there's more to be had. Amen. If you're interested, amen, in really understanding, hallelujah, then you can, amen, God will reveal it to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's keep reading. Verse 23, I believe we're on. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, and he said unto them, take heed what you hear. Don't just listen. Don't just turn the ears on. But understand. Take heed. Make note. Amen. Get a revelation. Don't just, don't just, amen, sit in the pew. Don't just go to church. Amen. But really take the time to understand. Take the time to perceive what's going on. Pray. Ask God to help you to understand. Because he's the one that can give revelation. He's the one that can open up your understanding just like he did for the disciples. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe God wants to give understanding today. I believe God wants to give some of us, amen, a greater understanding of what he wants to do in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take heed what you hear. Then he goes on to say, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. The word meet is just another word for measure. So with what measure you measure. Think about it like a, a measuring cup, ladies. You are uh, dipping in the sugar and getting at least two cups of sugar for your tea. You've got to have a cup in your hand. You've got to have, you've got to have the correct measuring cup. You reach down in there and you grab a cup of sugar. You know, my sister's over here arguing because usually they do a, a cup and a half. So I would go to mom and dad's house and... And I have, to, uh, I have to just take the measure that is given to me. Amen. But if I were bringing the cup, I'd bring, I'd, I would put in two cups. Amen. Because it's, for me, I want, I want more. Amen. I, and I'm just, I'm just picking here. But, but, to, but that's exactly what the Lord is telling the disciples and those that are listening that day. He said, if you bring a measuring cup. I will fill it. 
with what measure you meet. Did you bring just one cup today? Did you bring two? <laughs> How much did you bring? Is your cup empty? Or have you filled it with other things? Hallelujah. Amen. God came in this service this morning ready to pour out. Ready to give understanding. Ready to give your brother Carter more than what you have. How much did you come with? How much did you come prepared for? Did you come? Amen. Amen. Because he said, it shall be measured to you according to the measure that you meet. And unto you that hear shall more be given. I think what he's saying in this passage is if you really understand. If you really, if you come with the measuring cup, I've got more. If you bring a gallon, I'll fill it up. If you bring, amen, a five-gallon bucket, I'll fill it up. If you bring a 55-gallon drum, I'll fill it up. Hallelujah. Amen. God said, I've got enough, amen, to fill whatever you have. Amen. But you got to bring the measuring cup. You got to bring the measure to what it shall be measured to you with what measure you meet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, we will receive from God however much we, re, we come prepared to receive from him. Amen. What kind of measuring cup did you bring today? Luke chapter 6, verse 38, amen, goes on, amen, to further establish this principle. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, I'm sorry, sorry, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down and shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. Amen, for, the, with, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mighty God. God's looking down in this room this morning. Amen. And he's looking for, amen, the measuring sticks. He's looking for your measuring cups. How much did you bring? How much did you come expecting this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's talk about the kingdom of God for just a moment. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. We Read this in our text. Amen. But the scripture tells us, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Amen. But it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. What, what is Jesus, or what is, what is the, uh, the, the author, Paul, trying to tell the Roman church in this passage? Kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Anybody got any ideas? Not carnal? Not, not, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said not in the Jewish law. Oh, man, that would have preached. I wish I would thought of that one. <laughs> Amen. Not, it's not according to our natural desire. What? Not fried chicken. Amen. It's not water. It's not. The kingdom of God is not dealing with our carnal senses. It requires more than that. It's righteousness. It's peace. And it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'll bake off of what Brother Self just said. Not according to the Jewish law. Amen. The Jewish law was designed to keep the children of God pure and holy and righteous according to his expectation. 
Amen. But these men and women, amen, throughout, amen, the Old Testament did not meet God's expectation. But he said, my kingdom did not change. The expectations have not changed. But the method by which you maintain or are entered into or are a part of the kingdom of God, that has changed. The way that you maintain righteousness. The way that you can obtain peace. Just think about this for a moment. I mean, if we can I mean, obtain righteousness, I heard Elder Padgett talk about this at Adam. We can get righteous living in our life. I mean, if we can make ourselves, if we can get to this point in our life where everything that we think is right, everything that we say is right, everything that we do is right, how much peace would that bring? You're no longer regretting, no longer thinking about, oh, I wish I would have done, done that different. I wish I had said that different. I wish I, I wish I hadn't done that to that person. Hallelujah. It would bring great peace. That's why the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, brings peace. That's why God's uh, peace. But it doesn't just stop, Brother Carter, with mere peace. Uh, although that would be good uh, in this tumultuous, uh, amen, and chaotic world, it would be wonderful just to have, uh, amen, a little bit of peace. Uh, amen. And that's what Jesus is offering uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, amen. But it goes far beyond, uh, amen, just peace. Uh, he says, I'm going to give you joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you have, amen, that peace that I'm talking about this morning? Would you have the peace of God in your heart? Would you receive the peace of God, amen, from the kingdom of God? Hallelujah. You can really have joy. It takes you, hallelujah. I mean, there's a lot of people, amen, that try to act like they've got, amen, happiness and, and peace. And, and they, they, they buy, amen, the four, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar home. They've got two cars. They've got children, doggies, and, and cats. And, and they've got all these things. And they use all that to paint a picture of peace. And they also try to make their friends uh, envious of those things and think about those things and, 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 and then they try to portray this image of joy that oh man we're going out on the lake every weekend man we're having a blast it's awesome and man we go out drinking and partying carousing we, do, we just do whatever we want to how, how joyful can that be Hallelujah, and then some, amen, they, wow, that's the pinnacle of success. Wow, it would be nice if we could just have a home just like the Johnsons or the, or the uh, I, I say the Johnsons, I've seen Sister, uh, Sister Antoinette back there. We also have brother and sister, uh, brother Toby, sister Brooklyn, we, and then we have the Johnson boys. We have, too many, we have a lot of Johnsons in this church. I mean, that's probably the wrong name, amen, to pick. How about the Smiths? Hallelujah. Amen, but we want, or, or the Jones, what is the keep up with the Joneses, right? Amen, but many times we just, we put that in our mind. Hey, this is what we got to become. This is, what, this is what real peace looks like. This is what real success and joy looks like. But Jesus is saying, that's not, if you want real peace, you want real joy, come into the kingdom of God. And you're not going to find it in your bank account. You're not going to find it, amen, from what your bank account can acquire. Boats and cars and how. Listen to me, church. This is something, amen, if you really want peace, you've got to become righteous. You've got to become holy, just like he 
ask us to do that. When we're making the right decisions, oh, what peace floods our heart. When we're making, I mean, godly decisions, holy decisions, decisions that, my God, I, I, I feel like, I mean, spending just a little bit of time here. I mean, if you want to, I mean, real peace. I wish this tether wasn't up here. I'd come right down there. Maybe the Holy Ghost, let me do. Not going to do it to you. Amen. But real peace. I'm talking real peace. Man, it comes from being a part of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you can't achieve. So let's, uh, you can't achieve real righteousness without the Holy Ghost. And that's why peace and joy comes in the Holy Ghost. Well, amen. I'm getting too far ahead of myself here this morning. Hallelujah. This is why the kingdom of God requires you to be born again. Amen. What did, what did the psalmist say in Psalm 51? Verse 5. Hold, behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. When I was born, in the natural sense, I was born into sin. When you were born, you were born into sin. So doesn't it make sense that if you want Amen. A new nature. One that is not sinful, but one that might be righteous. Like we're talking about. You must be then born again. Born not of the flesh as Nicodemus assumed and as Jesus. But born of the water and born of the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans 3 and 23 further. Amen. Drives this point home that all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Amen. You're not alone in your amen, poor decisions. Amen. In your carnal desires. You're not alone. Everyone in this room, every member of the human race has been subject to this law of sin. Everyone. Hallelujah. Every single one of us. Amen. Sin is the natural condition of mankind. When we're born, we're born into a state of sin. Amen. We don't have to learn how to lie. We don't have to learn how to cheat. We don't have to learn, amen, how to disobey. It comes naturally for us. Hallelujah. The things we have to learn is how to obey. How to tell the truth. In hard situations. How to do what's right. Amen. Those are things we have to learn. We have to onboard onto our, amen, our carnal. We're bringing our carnal flesh into subjection, amen, to the will and desire of God. That is why the Old Testament is filled with example after example after example. And the explicit law of God is given so that the Israelites, the children of God, the then chosen people of God would know what is right and they would know what is wrong. Because they have to be educated. They have to be informed. Amen. I heard Pat, I was listening to a lesson from Pastor a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about how uh, morality can, he, uh, he, was, he was addressing the claim that morality cannot be required or, um, what was the term he used? You can't be legislated. You can't legislate. Was that one that he just taught recently? I thought it was a recording. So, that's something that, so you, guys are, you guys are ahead of me already. 
I mean, I'm probably the slowest one in the room, FYI. So by the time I finish formulating my sentences, you guys are probably already there and moved on and thought of five other things. I'm still trying to get together the same point that I was trying to make originally. Amen. Which might be good and it might be bad. So might be good. Amen. I, I digress here. But, amen, it's, it's it can't, it, he, he was talking about the fact that the morality, uh, many claim that you can't legislate morality. You can't, you can't require it. You can't mandate it. But his argument is that you can only mandate it. You can only require it. That's what a law is for. That's what, amen, our system of, amen, justice is for is to establish a law, and then if those of us, amen, who are, uh, are negligent or not willing to obey those laws, then we have to suffer the consequences. That's how you legislate and require morality. And I, and I, I propose to you that that is the only way that you can really obtain morality. How else do we know what is right and wrong? If we do it based on our natural instincts and our natural proclivities, then we're going to be, uh, somebody's going to be way over here and somebody else is going to be way over here. And we're going to be in two different ball games, playing by two different sets of rules. Amen. But if we have a singular source of truth, uh, which is the word of God, and we do our best to seek to understand those things. If we do our best to try to wrap our mind around those things, friend, amen, you'll never end. Amen, you'll never stop learning what is right. You'll never stop, amen, basking in righteousness and holiness and godliness. Amen, there's more there than we can ever, ever attain. Hallelujah. Amen, that isn't. Amen, to discourage you from it, that's to encourage you. Amen, that's because, amen, some of us, uh, amen, would look at that situation and say, we'll never be like God wants us to be, so why do, we, why do I even try? Amen, but I'm here to tell you that God gave us his very own spirit, amen, to help us. Uh, no, not in your flesh can you ever, amen, please him. Uh, amen, not in your flesh can you ever, amen, do, uh, amen, righteousness. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that our righteousness, Amen. The things that we think is right. The things that we think we are doing are right. Amen. They're nothing but filthy rags. Amen. But we, if we do them in obedience and by the grace of God, hallelujah, then we're entering into the kingdom of God. And then we are performing, performing those righteous things, amen, that produce peace and joy. Hallelujah. Let's just love the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The devil would have you believe that you've done too much, that you've done, gone too far, that you've, that you've done too that you're not worthy of becoming a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. But that's exactly why Jesus made the exception that he did. The rule is that no man can see the kingdom of God. Pastors talked about this. The rule is that you can't enter into the kingdom of God. That's the rule. Amen. But God created an exception for us. Amen. And the exception is that we are born again. 
When we're born in the first place, we are born into sin, as we just discussed. Amen. When we're born into sin, amen, our lives, amen, are bound by that law, by that carnal law. Amen. That's why Jesus said, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Because those that are born of the flesh is flesh. Those that are born of the Spirit is spirit. If you want to enter into the spiritual kingdom of God, you must be born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You must be born of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I mean, our very nature has required to change. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The word creature in this passage of Scripture literally means the act of creating. When you come into the kingdom of God, when you come in Christ, you are being recreated. Amen. You're, you're, not, you're not identified the way that you used to be identified. Your desires, amen, can very well change. Amen. Your desires, your hopes, and your interests, amen, I, I'll go a step further. They should change. Amen. You shouldn't be any longer interested, amen, in the carnal things of this world, the meat and the drink. Amen. Jesus, amen, said this to those that were listening, that you ought to repent, amen, because your interests are into these other things. Amen. To uh, the the, the things of this world, the food and, and all these things. Amen. I, I was walking the other day through, uh, through this little group of shops. Yesterday. I said the other day, but it was yesterday. And on the, on the, uh, on the, the door, it was, like a, it was like a little sweet shop, something like this. And whenever I walked by, I noticed on it, it had three, three descriptions. And the descriptions were what they expected you to do when you open the door and come in. And I, I forget the two other ones, but the one that stood out to me was indulge. And I thought in my head, I was, man, that is, that really, I mean, back in the day, would that be an advertising slogan? To folks who are interested in discipline and interested in regiment and interested in becoming better, bettering themselves would the advertisement of indulge, would that, be, would that be interesting? I don't think so. But it's an indicator. It's just this little signal that's saying this is where we're at today in society. That that would appeal to some. That that would get the attention of some. That, and, of course, it's just a sweet shop. It's, it's not, it wasn't anything this spiritual, probably way over-spiritualizing the thing. But the whole point is that it's important, I mean, that, that I mean, it, it, it was appealing to our most carnal and most basic desires. Take it easy. Kick back. Relax. Indulge in these things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if, if, if we're interested, truly understanding, truly entering and obtaining, becoming a part, entering the kingdom of God, 
Amen. We must deny ourselves those carnal instincts, those carnal desires. We must also be, develop new desires, develop new interests. If, 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 if uh, I hear, I'm not trying to pick on them right now, but this is just uh, good timing, okay? So, uh, but Brother Andrew is doing his very best to accommodate his child's desires. Now, if Andrew were to do that when the kid was 12 or 15 or 20, hey, buddy, why don't you just have another binky? Just uh, ha have a bottle of milk. Why don't you try, why don't you try this type of flavor? Why don't you, I, I remember my, my sister, uh, she, she's got two boys, uh, Grant and Tommy, and she was, she was talking about how Grant loved this certain baby food, and mom and Tori could probably tell you exactly which it is, but she gets that stuff, and she's using it and giving it to Tommy, and Tommy, every time it enters his mouth, it is shot right back out, just like a scattergun, just, but it's, but so, so mama doing what mamas do is now on the prowl, trying to find the right flavor to accommodate Tommy's desires. So now we have two different types of flavor. And I, I can't give uh, Tommy what Grant used to like. but uh, and, and certainly Grant would no longer like, hopefully, what he used to like and what Tommy likes now. Those little bitty glass containers, the little baby, baby food. But if we were to take those same food, and Brother Josh goes to work on Monday morning tomorrow, and, and, and Sister Michaela puts a little thing of baby food in his lunch pail, I don't think he would really like that. You know why? Because he's matured far beyond where he was when he was just a baby. His interests have changed, hopefully. Yeah, he's got a different taste. He's become, uh, he, he's got more of a uh, mature and more cultured palate. Just ask him. <laughs> Amen. But, but certainly you can't give uh, little Theo over there a ribeye. You've got to find out and understand what. And this is a great, I mean, example of, of how we are when we enter into the kingdom of God. Apostle Paul talks about it. I mean, the sincere milk of the word of God. I mean, even as a child of God in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom of God, we go through this development cycle where we begin as a baby. We begin interested in the sincere milk of the word. Amen. Acts 2 and 38. Uh, amen. With, and, and then holiness and without which no man shall see God. These are very principled and very basic and important amen, things that we've got to give to every baby. In order for them to develop muscle, in order for them to develop muscle mass and develop, amen, strength and be able to, to walk and begin to crawl and, and all these different things go through the natural cycle of life. They've got to move through these various stages of interest and desire, amen. But when we, amen, first enter into the kingdom of God, we can't just operate based on our carnal desire. There is, as Brother uh, Larson mentioned just a moment ago, pastors talked about it, the metamorphosis. I heard him say it just a moment ago. There is a, a very real, tangible change. How many have you heard the story of, of this man being baptized in the name of Jesus, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and goes to work, and their friends are like, man, that's a totally different guy. 
How many of you heard a story like that? Amen. I've heard Brother Glenn tell me about how his wife says, man, Brother Glenn, you're just a different man. You're just a different person. You act different. You talk different. You don't act the way that you used to act. Amen. And it's because he's getting close to the kingdom of God. It's because his interest and his desires are changing. It's becoming more aligned with what God wants within his kingdom. Amen. And that's essential for us to get into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't be surprised. Don't be shocked that you got to be born again. Let me go again and, and maybe just a little bit further on that point that that you must be born again, again. And again. And again. You, you've got to, I appreciate you saying that, Brother Hall. I mean, you guys are helping me out my amen corner over here. Amen. Brother, y'all just keep them coming. You guys are helping me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we do. We, we must die daily. That's what Apostle Paul said. He said, you, you, I die daily. Why? Because I'm bringing my carnal flesh into subjection to the will and the mind of the Holy Ghost. I'm interested in knowing what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want to be, amen, in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What, what was the message that John the Baptist, who was preparing the way for Jesus, what was his message when his, his most basic message that he preached as he was in the wilderness and those that were listening to him. Does anybody know? Repent. Why? For the kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, I, I was uh, in preparation for this message. I was listening to a message that Pastor preached. This is one I was listening to. It's called Thy Kingdom Come. It's preached back in 2012. It's on the website. I guess we started the recording late because we only got part of it. But but it was a very revealing message, amen, about how to enter into the kingdom of God. And if you want to be in this kingdom, you've got to first repent. Amen. Jesus said it's appointed as a man wants to die in our flesh. It's a part of our life. We will all pass away one day. Amen. But if, if we take make the decision to uh, mortify the deeds of our body early, amen, not just wait, amen, for the appointed day, amen, so that our body would pass away, and then therefore, amen, our deeds are naturally, amen, mortified, amen. But, but Paul said if you mortify the deeds of your body today, then you can, you can really live, amen. I'm, again, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness in, of Judea and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's close. The kingdom of God is close. What was he referring to? He's referring to the coming of Jesus. He's referring to how Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come and give his life and provide, amen, and establish the church, amen, on this, on this earth. But the message of repentance did not stop when John the Baptist's head was chopped off at the prison. Jesus picked up right where John left off in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You, wanna, you want to be a part? As the kingdom comes closer, you want to 
be a part of the kingdom? The first requirement is repentance. Why? That's the process of mortification. Before you can be transformed, you got to be mortified. You got to die out. You got to give up your life. Hallelujah. If you don't give up your life, like Jesus gave up his as our example, if you don't give up your life, you still have control. You're still, amen, allowing the deeds of your body, the, the, those carnal instincts, the, the flesh, the sin that you were born into, amen, uh, by your own mother through that natural process. Those are the deeds that are still alive and well in your life. But if you repent, that's how you can, amen, end those deeds early. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, now offer now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Amen. If you, amen, want to, amen, make use of the time. I've, I, I've, I mean, you, 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 we've got to, we've got to take advantage of the time. Amen. The, in the Old Testament, amen, scripture says to redeem the time because the days are evil. That's not the Old Testament, that's the New Testament. The Bible, let's just use the Bible. Amen. The Bible says that we should redeem the time because the days are evil. And Jesus, in his time, A.D. circa A.D. 30, something like that. He was declaring that right now. Right now is the time to repent. Beginning now. Beginning, the time is for, it's time. It's right now is a time, amen, for the people that are interested in being part of the kingdom of God to repent and to believe the gospel. Luke chapter 13, verses 2 through 5, Jesus answered and said to them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Jesus is speaking to a natural uh, a natural a way that we usually process things. If the preacher is coming down our cornrow, if, as it were, if, you, if he's preaching, he's stepping on our toes, Jesus is saying, don't blame the people at Salome. Don't blame this other group of people. I'm saying that everybody should repent. No exceptions. You want to be in the kingdom? You got to repent. All men that dwell in Jerusalem. All men, verse 5, he goes to reiterate that, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You're going to perish just like those on whom the tower of Siloam fell. You're going to perish just like the Galileans. You're going to perish unless you repent. Again, it's appointed the man who wants to die. You're going to go through that natural process. You're going to die naturally. You're going to perish. But if you repent, many take this passage of Scripture and preach it in a negative way. And, and, and of course, uh, it, it, it can be perceived that way because it's requiring us to 
die out to our natural carnal flesh. But I really see this as a message of hope. Jesus is giving us an exception to the rule, to the appointment of death. He's saying that if, if you don't repent, you're going to die. You're going to perish. No exceptions. But if you repent, you will live. You will live in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. When Jesus sent the 12 to preach, this was the same message that he instructed them to preach. Picking up in Mark chapter 6 verse 7. Amen. And he called unto them and the 12. Uh, and he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with the sandals and not put on two coats. Let's stop there for a second. We'll skip down to verse 12 in just a second. But he starts talking about very material things that, of course, we would imagine that are necessary if we were to go on a journey. Got to get me some shoes. Got to get a, an extra coat or two. And then I got to get, got to get provisions for this journey. Jesus commanded me. I've got to go. And so I'm going to think of all these natural things that I need. But Jesus said, don't worry about those things. You're a part of the kingdom of God now. And, and the message that you're preaching, you ought to live by example. Now let's go to verse 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go right along. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. When Peter, amen, stood up on the day of Pentecost, the very first part, amen, the first point, the first bullet in his sermon that day was repent. Repent. If you want, amen, to be a part, these are men interested in being a part, interested in understanding. Amen, show us, amen, how do we repent? Amen, how do we become a part of this kingdom that you're talking about? Amen, how do we do the will of God? Amen, Peter stood up, immediately said, repent. The message has not changed, amen, from the days of John the Baptist and when Jesus walked the earth. But now, amen, more than ever, all men everywhere ought to repent. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. We can spend more time here, but I feel like we need to move along. Amen. In our text, amen, when Jesus was explaining to good old Nicodemus, amen, he said, you must be born of water and of the Spirit. Jesus' message began with repentance in Matthew chapter 4 when he took on the mantle of John the Baptist. Amen. But it was not, amen, the end of his message. Amen. He went to Nicodemus and said, you got to be born again. you got to be born of water. And you got to be born born of the Spirit. If you want to enter into the kingdom of God, I'm still talking about the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. you got to be born again. Hallelujah. In every case in the New Testament, when someone entered into the kingdom of God, they were first baptized amen, with water. I don't have time, amen, to go through every instance in the New Testament, amen, but I want to bring out, amen, one specific scenario, amen, Acts chapter 19, verse 1, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, 
We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. These men had not received the Holy Ghost. Uh, sorry, these guys had not received the Holy Ghost, but they did believe. Hallelujah. They were among the men and the women and the children that were in the wilderness with John the Baptist. When John was preaching repentance. And the Bible says that they believed. So I've got to take the Bible at its word and understand that this group of men, these disciples of John, not only repented, or not only believed, but they repented. Because they believed what John the Baptist was preaching. Hallelujah. I mean, bear with us for just a moment. I know, amen, it's getting late night. It's, it's 1130. Amen. But, but I, I'm trying to hurry here this morning. Amen. But when Paul was, when Paul was preaching to these people, he said, you got to be born again. I know that you believe John the Baptist, and I know you obeyed him. You were baptized, you were baptized unto repentance. Amen. But you got to be baptized again. Amen. And when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, also he commanded in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent as the first point, but also he said, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So he didn't just stop with repentance, but he took the same message that Jesus preached to Nicodemus, and he said that you also must be baptized for the remission of your sins. Amen. And John chapter 3 again, let's pick up where we were reading in our uh, text. Not only did Jesus command us to be born of water, command Nicodemus to be born of water, but he also told him that you must be born of the Spirit. So if we aggregate all of the points of Jesus' message while he was on earth, number one, he said repent. Right? Number two, he said you got to be born of water. But in his final point to Nicodemus, he said, Nick, you got to be born of the Spirit. Except a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In today's world, when somebody has been born, a child is born, they receive a certificate of birth. It's their sign. It's, it's a symbol of their first day. This is their birth certificate. It identifies who they are, to whom they belong, and their date of birth. And so, just like that, we also receive our certificate of birth when we have repented. When we have been baptized in the water. And when the Spirit finally claims us as His own, we receive a certificate of birth. Amen. We begin to speak in a language, amen, that only his children speak. This is a family tongue. How many of you, amen, are part of families that, that you've got inside jokes and only you in the family have, have, the, uh, have an understanding of what's being said really, kind of under the top, under the surface of course, we all do. We've got our own family language. We speak to one another, and some things, uh, amen, can be said without even uttering a word, just a quick glance or, a, or a, a shuffle of the eyebrows. But we know what's being said. 
And the same is true for those of us who are born of the Spirit. Amen. That everyone that is born of the Spirit. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 8. He said, the wind blows where it listeth. And you hear the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. But he said, here's something you can tell. Everyone that is born of the Spirit is going to utter a sound like the wind. If, you're been, if you have been born again, this is your certificate of birth. It's a sign to you and to everybody that's in the family that, hey, we got a new sibling. We got a new little brother or a new little sister. I mean, they've been born again. I mean, they're now a part of the family of heaven. I mean, and now they're speaking our language. They're now, amen, uttering the sounds that are so familiar to us, amen, as a part of the family. He didn't say the special ones speak this, make the sound. He didn't say that the ones that that are the elite and the, the leaders in the family speak this or make this sound. But he said, the wind blows where it listens. Now here's the sound thereof. Skip down to the end uh, where, the, where, the, where the colon is. says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Everyone, every member of this family, every child of God, uh, amen, will make a sound, uh, amen, just like the wind does in Jesus' example. Hallelujah. Amen. Again, we can go through, amen, the New Testament. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 46. Amen. Acts chapter, uh, Mark chapter 16. In all of these instances, amen, we see confirmation. Amen. That when those that believe, those that obey, those who are born of the Spirit, they will begin to speak with new tongues. Let me just read Mark 16 and 17. Amen. As we present. Seed. Verse 17 says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall. We're in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 16, verse 17. I want you to see this. They shall. Not they might, they could, they would, they, they should. But they shall. No question about it. They shall speak with new tongues. That's how you know they're now a part of the kingdom of God. That's how you know, amen, they're now a part. They've now entered into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I want to tell this church today, amen, that the kingdom of God is closer, amen, than you realize. It's closer than you believe. I want to tell some individual today as the musicians come, amen, that the kingdom of God, you are closer to the kingdom of God, amen, than you believe. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, I wonder, amen, do you seek after that? Do you want to be a part of the kingdom? Amen, let me tell you, amen, those that seek, amen, they shall find. Those that want to be a part, amen, Jesus told us, amen, that we should seek first, amen, above all the carnal needs, above all the carnal desires, we should seek first the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 12 Verse 25, and which of you, amen, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? Can you simply by 
mustering it up in your mind, become something other than you are. There's some that believe that. There's some that can think, they, they think that whatever they are, they think they can become something else. I want to defy that false doctrine today, amen, because Jesus did. You can't do it just by thinking about it. You can't do it just by listening to another podcast or listening to another ideologue, amen, disseminating his philosophy. You've got to do it the way Jesus said that you could do it. You can't do it by thinking about it. Let's continue to read verse 26. If ye then be not able to do that thing, that thing which is the least. It sounds to me like Jesus thinks adding a cubit to your stature is very easy. Something that I would imagine physiologically would be difficult. But he said that's, that's among the least things that I could do. You have a physical impairment. You have a physical need, that's the least of the things that I can do. When you're in the kingdom of God, easy. It's easy. Then he goes on, he said, if, you can, if you're not able to do it for that thing which is the least, why take ye thought for the rest? Verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory is not arrayed like one of these. Verse 28, if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O ye of little faith, seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. Neither be ye of doubtful mind, for, ye sh ye, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that, he have need, that ye have need of these things. I'm going to stop there for a second before we go on to the next scripture. You can begin to play. These are not uh, negligible things. These are important needs. We need food. We need drink. You go three days without water, you're beginning the process of death. You need food in your life. These, these, Jesus is not denying our basic needs. But what he's trying to underscore is that there's something that is greater than those most basic and important things. What is it? Verse 31. Instead of seeking after these things, rather seek ye the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. This is where you're going to find, yes, yes, absolutely, all these things will be added to you. But there are more important things than these. 
You'll get your food. You'll be taken care of. Amen. Isn't the lily, amen, clothed with more glory than even Solomon of the Old Testament, who is the richest, most wise man that ever lived? And God certainly took care of Solomon. And he's saying, even the lily of the valley, that the lily of the field that is gone, is here today, gone tomorrow, is better taken care of than Solomon. He's capable of taking care of every single one of your needs. But let's suspend that for a moment in our mind. Yeah, I know you've got bills. I know you've got things that are required. I do too. Tomorrow morning, I've got obligations for work that's going to require a lot of my time. By tomorrow morning, by the time I get in the office at 8 o'clock. These are things that occupy my mind, and they are important. And I would be negligent if I, if I didn't take care of those things. But right now, there's something that far supersedes those things. And that is your status in the kingdom of God. Are you truly seeking after the kingdom of God? Or are you satisfied where you are? Are these other things more important? The food, the bills, the provisions of daily life. Matthew's rendition of, of this passage of scripture. Let's just skip to verse 33. He says it a bit more, with a bit more emphasis. He says... Not just seek rather the kingdom of God, but he says seek first the kingdom of God. This is not just another option. This is not just another alternative. But this is number one. This is above everything else. This should be first. And if you do, if you do seek first, if you do seek the kingdom of God rather than these other things, then all of those things, I can testify today, amen, that the most basic needs in life, amen, and beyond that, amen, the blessings of God are real, amen, in the kingdom of God. You don't have to go wanting if you have a need, bring it before the Lord even today. And God, can, you can walk out of those double doors this afternoon with your need met. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 16 verse 26. What is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What is there, Brother Glenn, in this world that carries that, same, that kind of value? Not a thing. You can't sell enough on Facebook Marketplace. You can't do enough good even. If you gain this whole world, you couldn't exchange the world for your soul. 
Hallelujah. I've got a burden this morning. If you will allow me. I fear that there are some even in this place today who behold, who see parts, bits of the kingdom of God. They're afforded this insight, Brother Jaheem. You're afforded this insight into the kingdom of God. And yet, not perceive. I'm not saying Brother Jaheem is not perceiving. Please don't. I'm applying this to us generally, to myself included. I want you to seek your soul, seek your mind, seek your heart. I mean, we were singing at the very beginning, yes, Lord, from the bottom of my heart, from the depths of my soul. That's why I read in Deuteronomy 6, 5. 6, 4, hear, O Israel, Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt, because the Lord is one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Let me tell you something. When you really get a revelation and an understanding of who Jesus is, and you've repented, and you've been born again of the water, and you've been born of the Spirit, amen, and you have entered into the kingdom of God, it's still possible for you to see and yet not perceive. For, to he- for you to hear and not understand. But let me tell you, and let me, I, I, I just draw that point, amen, for your focus and for your consideration. But let me tell you that the kingdom of God is in this place even now as I'm speaking. It's not far. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not far. I mean, you might be sitting in the same pew that you were last Sunday. You might be sitting in the same, amen, and thinking the same thoughts. Man, I wish this guy would hurry up. I wish we could go on to lunch. I wish we could, amen. But let me tell you, amen, if you can bring, amen, those things into, amen, submission, subjection to the will of God, then I believe that you can enter into the kingdom of God again today. You're not far. You're not far. You're not far. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're not far. Mark chapter 12, amen, verse 28. The Bible tells us about a scribe who came and having heard them reason together and perceiving that he had answered them well. Listen, this is a good example of what I've been talking about this entire morning. The scribe came, just like you and I have come, and he heard what was being said. But he went a step beyond that and perceived that he, Jesus, had answered them well. So he said, you know what? Maybe I can ask a question. Maybe what Jesus has to offer can apply to me. Maybe my problem can be solved by the master in this conversation. So he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? 
Verse 29, Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God. And there is none other but he. But listen to the kicker here, verse 33. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And what did Jesus say? When Jesus saw that he had answered discreetly, he was careful in his response. He said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. When you come seeking, you're not far. Why don't we close our eyes? Why don't we stand together this morning? I would just ask this one petition of you. Put all the other things, all the other considerations on pause. When we come to this altar in the next few moments, my request is that you seek one thing and only one thing. That you could enter into the kingdom of God. You say, well, I'm already in the kingdom. I've already been born again. I've already been born of water, been born of the Spirit. I've already repented. Well, good. Luke 9 and 2 tells us that he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. If you come with a sickness in your body, God can heal you. That's a part of the kingdom of God. 9 and 12, the same chapter. I'm going to reiterate that. Luke chapter 12 and 20. If I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. If you're bound, you could come into this altar and, and request of the kingdom of God. And when the Spirit of God comes, those spirits cannot stand against the kingdom of God. He reiterates that in Matthew chapter 12. Why don't you come? Why don't we all come in earnest search of the kingdom? I really feel like God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost this morning. This is why I have preached the kingdom of God this morning. It begins with repentance. Oh, God, search me and know me. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked ways in me. Hallelujah. 
Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of. For the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, the selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, what clearing of yourself, what indignation, what fear, what desire, what zeal, what revenge. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's enter. Let's enter this morning. Let's enter. Let's seek it. Let's seek after it. Hallelujah.